Hey everyone, welcome to the Swirl Suite. If this is your first time listening to the Swirl Suite podcast, my name is Sarita and you can get to know my voice a little bit better. So this episode will be full of introductions. I'll tell a story about how the Swirl Suite was created and why it was created. And then I will play snippets from another podcast that we were featured in and everybody's gonna tell their wine origin story. So the name of the podcast is called The Wine Pair Podcast. We were their first guest ever. We were truly honored. It was a lot of fun and they asked some great questions. We will put the link for that full episode in our description box. This should be a great introduction to get to know us a little bit better. Again, my name is Sarita. Welcome to the Swirl Suite. Cheers. Listeners today, we're joined by Sarita, Tanisha, Glennis, and Leslie, who are the co-hosts of the Swirl Suite podcast. We're going to start in, Sarita, we're going to start with you. Will you tell us a little bit about uh, the Swirl Suite? How did it start? How long you've been doing it? And, you know, sort of what the goals and objectives are? What makes the Swirl Suite special? Oh, uh, how much time do you have? Ah. <laughs> No, uh, so the Swirl Suite, we are, um, we're a wine lifestyle podcast. Uh, the four of us met. I, okay, I told this story before, not too long ago. And I said, it was a collection of Black Lady Meat Cutes. So I met, <laughs> I met Leslie first at the winery that I was working in. She was doing research. And so through Leslie, I met Tanisha. And through Tanisha, I met Glennis. We all met in different wine situations. Oh. So it was very cute. It was very organic. And the more seasoned, well, the more, they, they were already seasoned in the industry. So the older I got, the more seasoned I got in the, the wine industry, I started to get invited to different wine events and embassy tastings along with these ladies. And we started to really hang together. So I just thought it was a really good idea to display something like this because I didn't really see this before. I had never met any other Black women in wine. Mm-hmm. And I thought people needed to see that. So I thought it would be a good idea to start a YouTube channel. So we started out on YouTube. We were doing that for a while. That had to be 2015. Oh, By wow. the time 2016 came around, we were a full podcast and that's how that, that got started. So yeah. what, like, if you were to say, what are the goals or the objectives that you have? What are, you know, what do you really want to get across in the Swirl Suite? Honestly, I, I didn't really have a goal in mind. I just wanted to show something that I hadn't seen before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we just want to tell stories. We want to share all the different types of stories of this beverage industry. It looks like us. It looks like you. It looks like yep. everybody. It's not one-sided. So um, I don't know if anybody else has anything to add and to make it fun i think um you know sometimes wine can be a little stuffy and we added yes you can enjoy wine in the classic settings and the classic sins but also have some fun with it it's though it's not always just one way so we Mm. bring all that to the podcast and to our followers and to other people's followers at this point so okay tanisha this is a question for you you're the one who's the farthest away how did you end up in france and and what keeps you there today so the wine definitely keeps me here (laughs) for sure Um, but how i ended up here is i'm gonna make this long story shorter (laughs) so i got an I, i met um, a woman when i was speaking at a conference and she was a black woman and as sarita said earlier I wouldn't see too many Black women, and especially since um, this conference happened to be outside of uh, the States. It was in Europe. I think it was in Croatia. 
And so I met her there and then we just stayed connected and she sent me an email one day and she was like, Hey, um, I remember you saying that, you know, you were teaching. I can't teach my classes next semester. Do you think you want to come teach for me? And I'm reading, it's like, Oh, okay. Sounds cool. And she's like, Oh, remember, by the way, I'm in Paris. Oh, wow. So I was like, wow. Um, Okay, cool. Let's see what happens here. I'm thinking like, no chance this is ever about to work out for real. Like mm. this literally can't possibly be like a real thing to happen. But um, some texts back and forth with the director of the school and they were like, all right, cool. Yeah, it's all settled. We'll see you next semester to teach our classes. And so that's how I initially got over here. That's awesome. And do you find um, in Europe, is it similar as it is in the United States that there just aren't a lot of black voices or are there more black voices in Europe in the wine industry? Oh my gosh, there's way fewer. It's like none. Mm. Like I know like maybe five. We're talking a country. But what helps me out being here is I'm American. And what I can bring to the table as an American, as a native English speaker, with Paris being one of the most visited places on the planet, I add that to it. So people reach out to me for that kind of thing. Um, This one's for Glennis. I'm curious, how did you first get interested in wine? And was there like a wine moment for you? Or was there a mentor or guide who influenced you? Um, I've always liked wine. My career started with Fortune 500 company. And as you know, it was an engineering firm. And being one of the only Black female scientists most of the time at a company dinner that you know, wine was served. It was like, okay, Glenn, you got to quickly figure out what you like, what you don't like, and be able to order that staple wine, whatever it is. And I quickly learned how to do that. The aha moment to answer your question was we were doing a survey in a different part in the Southeast of the United States, and we were having dinner and I'm sitting there and I ordered, and just for the sake of this conversation, I can't remember exactly what it was at this time, because this was almost 25, almost 25 years ago. I ordered a Sterling Cabernet because I would always go for Cabernet Sauvignon. And the young lady, you could tell she was like seasonal hire in this small little town in the southern South Atlantic state. And I was like, sweetheart, this is not what I ordered. Mm -hmm. And she said, yes, that's what I put in. And that's what he gave me at the bar. I said, okay, didn't want to cause a scene. Um, you know, co-workers, at this point, supervisor, client. I said, that's okay. I'll take the glass. I'll go to the bar and I'll, you know, talk to the bartender. Went to the bar, talked to the bartender, speed this story up. He got a little gruff and made the assumption that I didn't know what I had ordered and that he was correct. And I said, I don't know what you poured and who you poured it for, but this is not what I ordered. <laughs> and um, there was a gentleman sitting at the end of the bar. Now you could tell this is way pre-COVID from what I'm about to tell you. A gentleman sitting at the end of the bar, a Caucasian gentleman, older gentleman. He said, can I taste what's in your glass? Sure. Gave him the glass. He tasted it. He looked at me, he looked at the bartender. He said, send a bottle of what she ordered to her, to her table because that's not what's in the glass. So that was the aha moment. And that's when I knew I wanted to, you know, pursue learning more about wine. And I love to travel. So then I started making my personal vacations places that were wine country-esque. So I could go visit a winery and still have a vacation out of So I would go to Napa, Sonoma, once a year at a different time in during the season. So you get to see harvest, you get to see the barren vines, you get to see them during Christmas and during spring when they're blossoming. So that's how, that's how I got started. Got it. And did you like, 
for me, it was actually it was Carmela's. Carmela's father was really into wine. He actually started out really into French wine and then we're both like Italian background. And so <laughs> he really got into Italian wines. And so I didn't know anything about wine before we got married. And even during our first couple of years of marriage, I didn't really know much about wine, but he really introduced me and kind of like sort of told me about wine and what I'm supposed to taste and things like, did you have anybody in your life who was like that? Or are you just more on the job, like self-taught? <laughs> on the palate training though. <laughs> <Self-taught>. yeah. <laughs> All you by know, experience, he, right? All by experience. Nice. I, honestly, you talk about high school or grammar school. Not grammar school. I'm going to stick with high school because I'm going to say grammar. <laughs> 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 you, would, you know, you started drinking, reuniting, and all this other stuff. You're like, oh, there's more to wine than this. And then, you know, again, because of career and being invited to different dinners and, yeah. you know, my mom also to um, pay for me to go to college outside of being a teacher herself, she would cater as a part-time gig. And I would see the wine, even for you know, like, like Jewish wines and Middle Eastern families. So she would, she was catering these events. And I was like, well, let me taste what they pour. I love it. So you were your, you were your own guy. Yeah, to, to an extent. But I also, there was also another aha moment when on one of these vacations, myself and a couple of friends of sorts went out and we had a wine tasting appointment with Mac McDon- with Mac from Vision Cellars. And it was 11 o'clock. We didn't leave his house till six o'clock. Mm. And he said, you ladies got to get into the wine industry. And I oh, remember wow. looking at each other like, excuse me, nobody. <laughs> what do you mean get into the wine industry? He said, start a blog. Start a-. I was like, nobody sitting there had any wine credentials because in my mind was like, how are you going to put your name out in the webosphere, so to speak, and not having a credential? So that after visiting that October and having that time with Mac at Vision Sellers in October, I started a WSET, took my WSET 2 certification that spring, so that winter, so that February. And then I went to a wine bloggers conference. Mm-hmm. At that wine bloggers conference, it was few and far in between of people of color. I can count on one hand how many of us was at that conference. And I said, okay, well, this is what we do. So I guess in a sense, that aha, getting a blog and yeah. well, wow. check out what a conventions or you know, other gatherings there were about that had people doing wine events, go see what they're about. So I guess that would be it. Got it. it was definitely pulling you in, huh? It was mm-hmm. kind of calling your name, it sounds like. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Very cool. Well, Sarita, what about you? How about, um, can you share with us how you got interested in wine? And if you had, you know, that real specific wine moment, or if there was somebody who guided you? Well, first of all, I don't know how I'm going to top Glennis's story and teacher's <laughs> story, but I'll tell my little story. Yeah. <laughs> So um, I was a 20 something and my first trip to California, I was there for a wedding. And um, when everybody else went back home, I decided to stay an extra day to just tour Napa. I had never been to a winery Mm. before. Mm. I enjoyed wine, of course, but I had never experienced anything like that. So Napa opens really early. So I was there at (laughs) 8am when the doors opened and, you know, I was solo and, you know, back then cell phones didn't have GPS systems on there. So I had like MapQuest printouts. I mean, it was very old but I had a plan. I was like, okay, I'm going to go here then go there. The first winery that I visited was um, Artessa Winery in Napa. And they have one of the highest peaks in Napa. 
And so they're surrounded like by all of these sculptures. So you go outside the tasting room and it's all of these sculptures. And then you look past it and it's just like all of these rolling hills and it was a gorgeous day. Mm -hmm. So I'm sipping wine, standing on this cliff, like just sort of like absorbing all the beauty around me. And I was like, whoa, this is, this is moving. And I honestly didn't know how to shake the feeling. I kept chasing that moment over and over again. And I wanted to learn more and more about wine so that when I got back to DC, I started reading a bunch of wine books. And the next thing you know, I'm emailing every winery in Maryland to see who was hiring. And one had just opened and that was Black Ankle Vineyards. Um, and I was there for five years and that's where I met Leslie. And that's how that story. Nice. And so when you were at the winery, did, was there somebody there who kind of like really taught you or guided you or, did, or were you self-taught as well? I think I just, I had a lot of people who helped me who, at the winery. I mean, it was one of those things where because the winery was new, everybody was learning. The mm-hmm. learning curve was crazy. And I know I was told, this fits you, you know, the wine world fits you. You have a very natural way of talking to people about wine that's very approachable and relatable and you should stick with it. That that was pretty much it. And I stuck with it. The positive mm-hmm. reinforcement. All yeah. That, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Leslie, we have a question for you. So Leslie, what is your current focus in the wine industry? Um, you know, what are you doing? What makes what you do unique? We'd also love for people to learn more and, and how they can support you. So I would have to say my purpose in the wine industry is to connect people to brands that are not readily available to the general public, brands that are made by minorities, made by women. So that's my purpose. What I do is I have an online wine store called the wineconcierge.co. And this focuses on those brands. Um, we try to collect as many brands as possible on the on the site that we can ship around the country. And then in the in addition, where like Sarita and I both met in Maryland, I also have a local wine tours company in Maryland where we promote local wine. Because mm-hmm. I think wine is like real estate. Everything is local. What people care about, what people learn. If you understand where um, that wine comes from, you understand the wine. And so we'll have information about this in our show notes. But what have you found has sort of changed over the last several years that you've been doing this? Are you finding that there are more minority or women-owned, you know, wines or wineries coming out? Are you finding that they're easier to find or what, you know, kind of what have you learned or what have you seen changing? Well, I do see more. um, Well, let's back up. I think there have been a number of women in the wine world, either winemaking, um, psalms, or what have you. Like, and no, they're not the majority that's represented, but they are there. And you can go to practically any country and find a female winemaker or a female owner somewhere involved. You can't say the same, like Tanisha said, in France, you don't see minorities, specifically Black people, specifically Latin people who are making the wine. They may be assisting with the management of the vineyard, but they're not necessarily making the wine there. And so I would say in the past few years that there have been more minority people who are getting 
in the ownership of wine, I still would say there are not as many people who are making the wine. So there are people who own the labels, but they're not necessarily, they, you know, they're, they're custom crush wines mm-hmm. where someone else is making it. And what do you think the barrier is? Like, what is the barrier that seems to be there for people of color to get more involved in the creation of wine? Money. And I would say my top three things, the reason why, um, people can't get into wine is money and money and exposure to money. Mm-hmm. Mm. And are you finding that that is changing at all? Or is it still sort of the, the same hurdle that it's been since you've been involved? I think there's, I mean, I don't want to paint a, a bleak picture at all. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. there have been some changes. There's organizations like the Roots Fund, mm-hmm. the um, Black Minority um, Winemakers Fund that are helping people who are involved. But I mean, realistically, like if you want to own a vineyard, if you want to own five acres in Napa Valley, mm-hmm. right? Like one, how are you going to mm-hmm. find it, <laughs> right? And then all of the equipment, the labor, the don't even get into like the regulations could kill you. you the mountain of that. A lot of people just don't have two hundred to five hundred thousand dollars just laying around <laughs> or inherited from people. You yeah. know, I mean, and I let- do in my <laughs> other purse, but not <laughs> the purse I have now. Right. Right. Leslie, you're being very modest because you, you say two to five hundred thousand. You have to think about how much an acre of land is in Napa Sonoma. Oh, We're yeah. talking exactly. millions. Right. Yeah. 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 Literally. Because wine can be also characterized as real estate. Because if you don't have the Absolutely. right real estate, you're not gonna grow the right grapes. And mm-hmm. yeah. right grapes is not gonna produce the right fruit. And the right fruit is not gonna make the grape the best must. And that must is not gonna be bottled correct. You don't have, back to Leslie's point, money one, money two, money three, mm-hmm. and, yeah. add, and incorporate real estate. And, and this is not just for minority <laughs> winemakers, right. but a lot of winemakers, one, don't have the land. So then they're purchasing the grapes or they're purchasing the juice from someone. So then mm-hmm. that's an additional cost that someone who had the land, they don't have to income. And then if you just decide, like, because it's very fashionable now to have a label. If you decide, oh, I'm going to have the ghost winemaker make some wine for me, what have you. You got to know how much that wine should be priced because a lot of these new winemakers are paying wholesale costs for made wine. And then so when they enter their in the market, their wine is overpriced because they're trying to recoup the cost that they paid to have that wine made in addition to marketing that that wine and they don't get distribution got it so i hope you enjoyed those snippets of our introductions of how this whole thing started and why we do what we do for the rest of this episode i'm gonna play an old gem So we have a friend of a podcast. His name is Reggie Solomon, and he goes by Wine Casual on all social media. He is an avid listener of the Swirl Sweet podcast, and he knows a whole lot about us. So when we invited him to be on our podcast, he asked if he could have his own segment at the end of the episode so he could list all the things that he's found out about each of us throughout the years. It's hilarious and it's so fun. Enjoy. I wrote this little thing called um, Things I've Learned About the Ladies of the Swirl Suite Over the Years. 
that you might not know if oh, you just Jesus. started listening. Oh, gotta go. Time's oh, over. <laughs> <laughs> Connection. I'm like Tanisha. <laughs> Listen, Tanisha already hung up. I'm gonna start with I'm gonna start with Vino 301 Leslie um, so Leslie loves tequila it's a drink of choice she she is a wine tourism conference attendee even though she had to pay the business price for the, for the wine bloggers conference <laughs> Leslie enjoyed meeting Eric Benet during the first Obama inaugural. Oh in her words, yes, oh he is sex personified, as you said. <laughs> yes. uh, next one is Drake. After dark, enough said. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, I am so happy you finally found a Sauvignon Blanc you like. Me too. Yes. Oh, she need to tell me which one that is. I forgot. Uh, <laughs> I forgot too. <laughs> I um, remember she is it found one. I did. Yes, I did like that one, but it was Kim. Um, with Kim Crawford's wife. Oh, Kim Crawford. Um, okay. Uh-huh. His his uh uh-huh. their their new label. I Love like their Block. new label. Love Block. Yes. Love Block. Love Block Savion Blanc. Erica Crawford. Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. Oh, okay. So the last two for Leslie are don't do a Vino 301 tour and offer to say good words about your tour to your boss. (laughs) 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 And then, and and then finally, don't order cheap beer, quote unquote, Budweiser on a date with you, unless you're at a baseball game. There you go. There you go. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh <laughs> okay, Glennis, you're next. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so, Glennis, I don't know if you remember, you were the first person I met at the, my first wine bloggers conference. In the I Finger remember. Room. I remember. And you, and you helped me like make friends on Twitter when I had like single digit Twitter followers. Uh, and, that, and now I'm up to like 5,000, but you helped me. And I'm nowhere near that shit. <laughs> No, well, well, I just want to let you know, like, because of you, I started doing Twitter, and like, I appreciate it, and you helped me figure out how to get invited to the after parties at the, at the <laughs> wine bloggers conference. That's a thing. That's a thing. You're trying to keep us okay, out. Other, okay, a couple other things about Glennis. Grand Marnier, it's her <laughs> favorite spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, for for wine, Cabernet Sauvignon is your favorite. Uh, if you're having Stella beer, you want it in a Stella glass. <laughs> yes, has to be the glass. <laughs> yep, you love your Cremant, but not from the Loire. Yep. You want a good rum punch. And and you have very strict hotel etiquette, slippers <laughs> only. Whoop, whoop. Oh my gosh. And, and then the last is your highest form of wine phrase is freaking phenomenal. 
That's it. That's it. And that's a good way to end that. Yeah, that's it. Well, thanks for playing, Reggie. Appreciate it. <laughs> oh no, Tanisha. You're coming up. So next is Sarita. Okay. T t the next is Sarita. These are things you might not know about Sarita if you just started tuning into the pot. Um, Sarita loves sparkling rose. You love bubbles, and you are on a first name basis with Kava. Yeah. <laughs> uh, beer is your least sexiest drink. Uh, you like bourbon cocktails, and a house favorite is Bullet. When you realized your husband was the one, you were having white Hennessy. Hennessy white. Uh, <laughs> that sounds very Sarita. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when your husband drinks too fast, when you're having $40 bottle of wine, you make him switch to craft beer. Uh, <laughs> uh, you have become uh, a wine judge over the course of the swirl suite and have been doing it multiple times, which is great. You had your first trip to Paris during the Swirl Suite years as well. Yes. And you met Tanisha talking about wine after Leslie introduced you, and you mentioned that you like champagne and popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. you, uh, you like Rockman Dunbar from Soul Food because of his ball head and full, full beard. And because he's fine. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, you. And then uh, no blue wine for you. You love seafood, but no vanilla pudding, Gabriel Union. <laughs> that might be mine. <laughs> <laughs> That's all of us. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> okay, and now I'll... I'll uh, finish off with Tanisha, things that people might not know about her. In her just absence, listening to the pot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Tanisha says, I'm not good with new people, but she is so friendly and amazing to get to know once you get past that initial, that initial, that initial barrier. Okay, um, that's true. <laughs> uh, I'll just say these couple of words. Dry gin martini. <laughs> <laughs> and just keep that after dark. Okay. Um, you okay. like to drink, you like to drink craft beers poured in the glass when you have them. Mm -hmm. um, the gospel song that you listen to or listen to when you're going through some stuff is God Will Provide by Tamala Mann. Uh, you have wine tasted in Eastern Europe. I can't remember where what the trip you went on. But Serbia? You talked about, yeah, Serbia. Yeah. And then you had some guy you called Serbian Bay, but I never saw him on your Instagram. <laughs> that was a 20-minute bay. That was 20 minutes. <laughs> That's okay. That's with it. only takes a second to get a shot right. of the picture. Photos um, exist in the world, but that's... Um, you have like made an adventure of exploring France and learning French and including mix-ups like getting served chitlins in the restaurant the first time by mistake. <laughs> that was the same day in my life. <laughs> it was a hungry, hungry. Uh, 
but you are my shero because of the way you handle it. That's Sorry, nice. Greg. But the, the McDonald's after part, I do. <laughs> you are also, so Tisha, you are also a wine judge in France as well. Yes. And in 2017, you gave me this song of the summer. Let me just press this button to see if Wait. it plays and you can hear it. Here it goes. That was the joint. So you got me into that song, which I really liked, and sent it around to my sister and family, uh, Chocolat. And uh, one of your favorite phrases, or you use it on the pod occasionally, uh, let me upgrade you. (laughs) 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 Which I like. And then finally, if you want a date with you, a beard would help but no man bag. Those are facts. Yeah, those are key facts. Yep. Okay. Yep, he got um, it. Wow. Okay. okay. And then I forgot couple... about, I mean, not the beard and the man bag part. No, I'll never forget that. But, wow. oh, <laughs> listen. For all of these, I just got to go on here and get it. Okay. Was there anything I said that wasn't accurate? Because if it was, like, let's correct it for the pod. Oh, no, no. I would have shut it down immediately. But, no, no. No, I think, no. I think you were okay. dead. You did tell everybody the name I kept calling you from the first time I met you. Uh-oh. Oh, <laughs> I, I didn't tell it because I'm trying to ever make you forget. <laughs> <laughs> what, did you, what did you call him? I'm afraid to ask. We forgot. Okay. I forgot. But I'm 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 gonna respect your wishes. Go ahead, cause you okay. use a guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. My last little bit is I wanted to say that my favorite episode that you guys have done, like the one I watched over and over, it just makes me laugh. Uh, is the episode you did with Vermilion Pearl, Reagan Mathis, oh, uh, in a swirl oh, sweet after dark. Oh yeah. <laughs> and when you got when you guys talked about the guys who order the Cosmo, <laughs> and, and then the part with Tanisha, she goes on a date with a guy who orders pineapple juice. <laughs> oh my drink. goodness. What the was milk he man. doing? <laughs> pineapple yeah. juice? Man, I'll never forget that. <laughs> that is hilarious. And, and then I wanted to say, like, the liquor lady, I miss her. Oh, we miss her. I we all do. Yeah. 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 And then the last three things, I know you guys are not, well, I know you guys are not on YouTube anymore, but I so enjoyed seeing your pretty faces, like, on YouTube, oh. and to see you guys, like, talk to each other and laugh. That was so fun. But I know it's a lot of editing work, so, uh, no worries, Sarita. <laughs> and I regularly do these um, episodes like not with no pants and full pajamas now. So and you that. should. You're in favor. <laughs> uh, and then uh, 
but second to last, I love the episodes when you guys talk with each other without guests, because I just find, like, when you guys are talking about stuff just between yourselves, to me, it's so interesting, because it's <laughs> sort of like, it's sort of, you guys are like a little family, and you get together, and I'm like, who's that person not in the family who they invited on the, for the special <laughs> gift, like me? I want to just hear them. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, I like those. And then the last, I wanted to say that I really love seeing Glennis in the Wine Enthusiast magazine last month. Uh, yeah, that was that was awesome. From the, from the Essence Festival, so uh, yeah, you guys have come a long way. Uh, no, you know that was probably all happenstance and coinky. I just had to be standing there talking to Roland Martin. <laughs> Whatever works. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right place at the right time. Be humble. Trying to be humble. Learning. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's that how I got excellent. there. Today. That okay. was excellent. That was amazing. Dude, it was perfect. Like, slow clap. Slow clap for Reggie. That was right. Awesome. Oh, oh, thank you, guys. That was. But well, we miss you, Reggie, and I. I look forward to seeing what you write and post during um, this Australian bloggers conference. And yeah, hit us up and let us know where the next one's going to be while y'all are in Austria so we can have an idea where it's going next year. Mm. Oh, we'll do. Definitely, we'll do. Man, that was so special. Yeah. We miss you. Woo Reggie. Yeah. Where can everybody follow you and your blog? Oh, you can follow me at winecasual.com or uh, on Twitter at winecasualhq. HQ. Like aren't you on Instagram too? Oh, yeah. I'm on Instagram is winecasual. I just started Instagram because of Sarita. So, like, <laughs> give me five years. I have 5,000 followers. Oh, so, take goodness. a while. <laughs> I don't think so. It probably yeah, won't take that long, which exactly. it's going to take Not me a while. All. Not at all. Man, that was so special. I don't know what you said. Thanks for joining us, Royal Speed. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button, leave us five stars, and leave us a comment. We love ratings. Also, be sure to follow all of us on social media. Myself at Buy Me Up, Glennis at Vino Noir, Girl Meets Glass is Tanisha, Vino301 is Leslie, and you can follow the Swirl Suite podcast account at Swirl Suite. The Swirl Suite is now a part of the Alive Podcast Network. This episode has been edited and produced by Vime Up Media.